Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This morning's gospel lesson is a very peculiar coupling of verses. Jesus sets up the parable in the beginning verses, and then there are nine verses the lectionary omits. If you'll notice, there's a bunch of them missing from our reading this morning, which are the explanation of the function of parables, which says that the search for meaning is a part of the point. Therefore, the final six verses that we just read offer a far more tidy explanation than the previous nine verses suggest is possible. It is one of only a few parables where an interpretation is specifically offered. All in all, it feels a bit like that moment when someone launches into the explanation of a joke, which means that the joke itself did not land as intended. So with that incredibly helpful setup, I'm going to do my best to invite you into an examination of the parable of the sower by suspending your knowledge that the scripted interpretation does the work of making meaning for us. Jesus was big on storytelling. And from what I have surmised, it's not because he fancied himself a man of the stage, but because he had a fundamental understanding of the human heart and the human mind. He had a deep appreciation for the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. And he also knew that the invitation he came to deliver would never fully take root if we just used our heads. He was going to have to make room in our hearts as well. So we turned to stories in the form of parables. And the beautiful thing about parables is that they are complex. There is no single right way to understand these stories. Rather, there are multiple entry points with very valid means of understanding what Jesus may have been intending. Or as biblical scholar C.H. Dodd states, a parable is a metaphor or a simile drawn from everyday life the meaning of which is sufficiently in doubt to tease the mind into active thought. A parable is a metaphor or a simile drawn from everyday life, the meaning of which is sufficiently in doubt to tease the mind into active thought. It is not an equation to be solved, but rather a prism to be examined from all different angles to give meaning to our relationship with Christ at that particular moment in time. So, this morning, I invite you to approach this familiar parable in a few different ways. The first, and perhaps most obvious, interpretation is to mine the parable for agrarian and economic insights. Biblical scholar Ched Myers argues that this parable must be read economically, At the time of Jesus' ministry, those who relied on the harvest for their livelihood would have been dependent on payments received from the government. This interpretation lends good news in the form of liberation for bonded farmers whose lives would have been radically changed with a transformative yield in the crop. So, 
One might then use the parable to wonder about for whom else God's harvest might provide the hope of liberation. A different form of interpretation invites us to imagine who each of these types of listeners might have been for Jesus. Another biblical scholar suggests that Jesus used this parable as a means of explaining to the disciples what awaited them when they went out to share the good news. Now, without using names, Jesus demonstrates the various types of people whom he encountered in his ministry. The rich young man who refuses to sell his possessions to inherit eternal life is one example of seed sown on the path. He very clearly heard the word of eternal life from Jesus, but made no space in his life for that and went away grieving. The seed that was sown on rocky ground may be exemplary of the work Jesus did with the disciples. They were joyfully receptive of that which Jesus taught, but when Jesus needed them most, they were nowhere to be found. The seed sown among thorns may look something like Herod Antipas, interested to meet and learn from Jesus, but far more committed to his own self-interests than anything else. Ultimately, his commitment to power surpassed any curiosity about Jesus. Surely there were multiple people who encountered Jesus who represent the seed sown on good soil. Bartimaeus, the man who was born blind but was healed after seeking out Jesus, he then continued to follow him. That's one such individual. This method of interpretation lends good news for the disciples and indeed for anyone today who commits to sharing the story of Jesus, helping us to understand what we might expect. It is also an affirmation that all of these characters are a part of God's story. No matter the success or failure, we might glimpse at a particular moment in time. A third way to interpret this parable moves our attention from the type of soil to the seed. The way that Jesus tells the story, the sower spreads the seed with what we might call reckless abandon. There seems to be little discretion as to where the seeds are scattered, which might be interpreted as carelessness, but might also be interpreted as an informed understanding of what was needed for some of the seed to take root. If the abundance of the seeds mattered most, the focus of the parable shifts from the deficiency of the environment to the commitment from the sower. Read this way, the parable could contain the entirety of the story of Israel and of Jesus' life and ministry. This type of interpretation lends good news for anyone who is struggling to come to grips with challenging circumstances. I'll offer one final interpretation, which comes from scholar Bernard Brandon Scott. His research suggests that the harvest reported from the good soil is completely and totally ordinary. The harvest reported from the good soil is completely and totally ordinary, meaning there was nothing abundant or exciting about the harvest yielding 160 or 30 fold, a point that is certainly lost for anyone without experience as a sower or for those of us not familiar with the climate in ancient Israel. He writes, 
A hearer is left with a kingdom in which failure, miracle, and normality are the coordinates. The parable structure leads to the expectation of abundant growth as a metaphor of God's mighty activity. But in the end, the harvest is ordinary and everyday. In failure and everydayness lies the miracle of God's activity. The accidents of failure are not exploited for their possible moral overtones, but are coordinated with the harvest. The hearer who navigates within this triangle can experience God's ruling activity under the most unfamiliar guises, even among prostitutes and tax collectors, in the every day. Both the ordinary and the unclean belong to the miracle of the kingdom. This interpretation lends good news not just for some, but for all, clarifying God's undeniable presence in the midst of all that is ordinary. This morning's parable and the subsequent explanation seems to do the work for us, a rare occurrence of scripture telling us exactly what is intended for the text. But I hope you'll be challenged to use the explanation that is given to wonder about the many many vantage points that are yet to be discovered. The point, after all, is not to find the answer. The point of these sacred stories from Jesus is to give meaning to our relationship with Christ at this particular moment in time. Amen. Amen.